Welcome to Athletes and Artists, the podcast with Cassandra, Brittany, and Jillian. Hang out and get to know us, our guest athletes and artists, and keep up with what's current. This episode, we are going to actually rewind and go back, go back, and talk about our season. Season one. Woo, woo. Crap. We had some amazing conversations with some great guests and with us. I know you guys kept asking for more of just the three of us. So we were um, giving you what you wanted. We did a lot of rapid fire episodes and we talked about subjects like manifesting and kind of getting to know us. Um, So we're going to go down and we'll talk about our favorite moments. And if you have any favorite moments, send us a message. We'd love to talk about them with you. Okay, um, I'll start. (laughs) What else is here? My favorite moment is rapid fire. I love rapid fire oh, with you guys. Me too. So much fun. It becomes less of a rapid fire, but it's sort of just like a you know, answer at your leisurely time. But yeah. I love those questions. They're fun. Me too. It's like a get to kind of thing. Well, they're like super easy, super fun, and super revealing about everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I have no idea what's about to come out of my mouth until it does, and I'm like, oh. Okay, that was my answer. <laughs> and that's the best. <laughs> yeah, I prep for those questions. I never have my answer, like, preset. So I just... No. <laughs> but what's funny about those, I think, is that what we say today could be very different from, like, next year. You know what I mean? Or even tomorrow. You don't know. Oh, yeah. I could listen to them now. If I would listen to them now, I would think that it would be different. Honestly, I would yeah. probably answer way different. Love those. Agree. Okay, so what about your favorite guests? I mean, all, we love all of our guests. So let's kind of talk about our favorite moments from every episode. Um, I know Amy was our first interview of the season. And what I loved about that was that she was so open about her experiences as a professional opera singer. Operatic singing is so athletically and artistically demanding. Mm-hmm. What do you do to maintain your instrument? Mm-hmm. So many things. <laughs> um, First sleep, proper sleep, lots of hydration. I mean, those are the obvious. I try to eat well, although I, that's always something I can work on. <laughs> it's very difficult when you're traveling, which I do a lot. Last year, I was on the road for 26 weeks out of the year. So it's difficult, um, and there's a lot of stress involved. Definitely stress management, um, and, and not just taking care of yourself physically, but taking care of yourself mentally. Uh, that's really important, and I think a lot of singers don't realize early on how that's literally equally as important as your physical health, is your mental health. Um, so, you know, meditation, um, finding ways to relax. Um, I, I like to lay on an acupressure mat, which is the, what known as a modern day bed of nails. It has over 5,000 spikes on it. <laughs> it seems a little bit um, barbaric, but it, it actually really helps um, after you, if you can get past the two first two minutes, it actually helps release a lot of stress, and I fall asleep on it sometimes. Bare bare skin, <laughs> um, but but also uh, just constantly keeping my training going. It's really important. I think a lot of singers, as they become more established in their careers, they think that okay, well I've reached this certain point in my career, I don't really need to keep working on things, and I think that's a really dangerous place to be. I think as an artist, it's it's a lifelong process and a lifelong, um, a lifelong process of, of, of trying to better yourself and, and find new ways to do things 
So I like to always keep pushing myself technically and um, yeah. She also did Q&A. So like we had, we were able to get some questions directly from our audience and she was answering them. And that was such a cool way to start our season off with that interaction with our listeners. Love that. So our first question is from Danielle from South Carolina. Katie from Portland, Oregon wants to know. She's from Amelia in Seattle. Other than opera, what is your favorite genre to sing? Honestly, opera. <laughs> I don't have another genre. I, I have other genres I like to listen to, but in terms of my instrument, it doesn't really work in any other genre. Um, I tried Broadway once years ago. I had several callbacks for Phantom on Broadway for Carlotta and was essentially, you know, indirectly told that my voice was way too big for Broadway. They can't mic me. So, um, and I, and I enjoy the challenge of classical music um, way more. I, I like the language challenge. Um, I like the language aspect, the foreign language aspect of it. I like um, the, the challenge of, of music, the music and learning the different intervals and the harmonies and singing over big orchestras. That's what makes me really excited, especially when there's a lot of brass. <laughs> and then our next guest was Corey. Yes, Corey loved his enthusiasm especially about I think it was what pliéing. I forget he did something and I was like yes <laughs> because we all understand that as dancers but to see him really like get into it and like show us are there other ways you deal with it like in ballet when you're going on stage do you have like rituals it's that's fun that's a good question um, because I think everybody kind of develops their own personal techniques for dealing with anxiety and stress and you kind of I think for the privileged few, they can hire a life coach or uh, a mental coach. That's that's kind of become a more popular thing now. A lot of these guys are, especially in, in golf, like Bob Rotella, they're writing these books that, that help people, uh, help them develop these mental fundamentals, like checklists that they go through to be able to cope with the extra chemicals running through their body, the adrenaline and all that. But it's funny because I didn't know anything about this. I don't think this was even a thing 10 years ago even or it was, but it was kind of more for the more knowledgeable or wealthier bunch. But when I read his book recently, a couple of years ago, all these things that he was describing, like this mental zone you have to get in, um, clearing your mind, staying focused, were all things that I had to learn through trial and error. I would say half of developing your technique for coping with stress is through trial and error. You just have to do it. You have to go through that and, and you have to fail a few times. It just has to happen. I think it's actually, even if there was a student I would, and I told them what to do, that it's impossible for that student to understand what the feeling is like until they actually go through it. And it's, and it's very rare that they would just immediately latch on to what I'm talking about. So there were years when I, people told me like someone, one dancer, he said, just blank your mind and just go for it. Just when you get on stage and you have that variation, don't even think about anything and just just use the energy to just blow through it. And I remember trying it. It was horrible. It like, <laughs> yeah. I, mind out of it. I like, I lost, there's a very important aspect of ballet called a plie. And that's the way dancers use their legs to absorb landings from jumps or taking off from jumps. It's very important in dance. Like if I just show you quickly here, if you dance without plie, it's like that. And if you mm -hmm. use plie, it adds a whole element and makes it, it makes it look much more effortless. Mm -hmm. And when I 
tried that guy's approach, I like lost my plie completely. So I was way God. more scared than I should have been halfway through the variation. And it ended up oh, wow. being hor- like a horrible thing. But that worked for him. Right. So my right. point is that, so like, so over the years, um, pretty much for what works for me is if I really, it's, it sounds general, but I focus on minute details. And that, what that does is it takes my focus away from the situation I'm, on, I'm in. It takes my focus away from the fact that there are critics in the house. And then there are people that might be for the first time at the ballet and they might have spent more money than they could afford. All these things that the fact that my entire company is behind me and they're relying on me leading the performance. Um, so there are so many reasons to feel pressure when you're dancing on stage. And what you do is I think about in the rehearsals how my coach will tell me in a certain, in a certain part, the way I'm doing a step, that's what's really great about dance is that you're telling a story, even if it's abstract, it's, there's still a kind of an expression in it. And mm-hmm. if you focus on the human part of it, on you're expressing an emotion, you're telling, you're saying something to somebody, all of a sudden it takes the pressure off of completing that move physically. It, like it, you don't have to make that move perfect. You don't have to do something perfect because that's not the idea. The idea is making somebody feel something. So making your movement evocative. Right. And there's a, there's a, it might not be obvious for a lot of people, but I could show you a distinct difference between doing something technically and doing something uh, emotionally. And um, so that for me is what has really allowed me even when there's an opening night gala for the spring season at the Met, when I'm feeling a lot of pressure, right before I go on stage, I go into my character, I get very focused about what I have to do, what my goals are, and then I just put all of my energy into doing that. And that has taken so long, so long to develop because for years I would have that idea to do that and I'd get on stage and suddenly I would, like, it, I would be overwhelmed. But really sticking to it, over the years has allowed me to now shift my focus to telling the story over trying to be technically perfect. And that has allowed me to cope with stress. That was a very long answer. I apologize. (laughs) No, but you got your point across. Like I totally understand. Like feel. And then on top of that, his dog made a little debut that I don't think our listeners knew about. This is my dog. Oh, puppy. Hey puppy. What's your dog's name? Uh, Riley. Yeah, so cute. Uh, and then our next one was Melanie. And I fangirled over Melanie. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> First of all, she was so cool. And she was so down to earth, like just so yeah. easy to talk to. And she was just, I just, I loved her. I agree. She was like, I fangirled. There's nothing else I can say. <laughs> Maybe a little embarrassing, but I'm okay with it. I don't blame you. Nice for everyone, though. She was yes. able to like give some real big um, chunks of wisdom. I would say <laughs> this is going to be funny, but this will resonate with some people. I would say you're skinnier than you think when you look in the mirror every single time, every day. Okay, because we are our own worst critics all day, every day. So just know that you look great. You're you're doing your thing. I would say to her, just keep going, which is kind of what I did have to say to her, like, screw it, just keep going, just keep trying, because 
you never know. I've said this a couple times too. You really just never know what they're looking for. And sometimes you don't even know that right before you walked into the room, they didn't change their mind about what they're looking for. Yes, there's a breakdown. And sometimes it can be like, oh, we need two blondes and two Latinas and one black girl. And that's what we want, right? And there's a breakdown. And so those people show up. And then before you walk in, the producers or management or whomever could go, you know what, we don't want the blonde girls. It's like, it's fine. I'm, we just want the black girl and the two Latinas and we're going to like kick it like that. And then you walk in the room and sometimes you don't get to dance, right? Sometimes it's just like, thank you so much for coming. And you're like, I just spent two and a half hours putting on makeup and figuring out an outfit and I feel sick to my stomach and the traffic sucked and the train stopped and the blah, 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 right? And then you get there and they're like, thanks so much. And you're like, well, what the heck? What was it? You know, am I too tall? Am I too short? Am I too blonde? Am I not blonde enough? It, all of the things. And you're going to question yourself and you just have to keep going. Just keep going because they, you know, you might end up then being called the next day to come back in because they changed their mind again. But I'm just saying at the end of the day, even in the entire audition, when you do get to dance and you get cut or you don't get it, you, you don't know why. There are now being on the backside of the table and like knowing what's said and what's talked about and how quickly things sort of change. You never know. So don't think it's just you. It's not just you. It's a million and 12 things that are going on. Uh, I was just, she was so incredible. Um, I loved having Melanie on the podcast. Uh, our next guest was Holly, who is an illustrator. She's incredible. She's also a small business owner, which is what I loved hearing from her was, you know, really on brand with athletes and artists where she was so passionate about um, wellness and mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, and that doesn't mean like having this perfect body. It means taking care of yourself. And I thought that was incredible. It's a really important lesson. And as someone who creates these fashion illustrations, the way that reflects in her artwork is just beautiful. I've been in art classes since I was seven. My mom put me in private um, art classes, which I love, but my subject matter was always like landscapes or these kind of like abstract paintings. I hated drawing people. I, I just could not draw faces or bodies or anything. So I don't know how I ended up just drawing people always. And now I love it. But um I think it takes time to learn. And part of what I did too was, I think, kind of create um, a style that I didn't see that kind of lent to me not being able to draw a realistic figure. So I draw these girls whose um, legs were like miles long and their their eyes were huge and you know their hair was like voluptuous and <laughs> long. like no one really looks like that. And that was just kind of my way of drawing in a way that I couldn't, <laughs> um, you know, which in hindsight, I think is problematic too, which I think I'll get into later, just these unrealistic, unrealistic proportions and adding some realism into my work, what my main goal is. Almost all forms of exercise I've tried, it got to a point where it was becoming problematic for me. And I kind of had to take a step back and figure out where that was and um, what to do about it. And I think I was exercising for the wrong reasons, for sure. Um, and I was getting completely burned out. And it was tricky because a lot of people saw me at like what they thought was my pinnacle of health. And I was at my least healthiest. Over the past few years, I discovered um, 
a movement, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's called Health at Every Size. Um, and it's just kind of like a different approach to um, health and wellness that um, talks about, you know, like, why are we moving? Um, and if it's to look a certain way or to maintain a certain type of body, you might want to rethink that. <laughs> um, and then last year, I became um, certified in Pilates too, which I love. Um, I love how you're, you're able to connect here. Um, body and it's very like a mindful and intentional movement um, so through that I've kind of gotten to a better place where I can enjoy exercise again and then next we had Brooke which was so much fun because our listeners were asking us for our whole athletes and artists family and you know as you know Brooke hosts um, athletes and artists huddle up at home so it was so exciting to talk to her and to hear about her NFL experience and grow up, uh, growing up in an NFL family and just everything. And it was fun to talk with our buddy, our a and buddy. Loved it. So it was just like, all right, on to the next. And then we went again in 2010 with the Saints, Super Bowl 44. And that one we won. And I think I was in eighth grade. And that was insane, insane experience. I mean, I wasn't... I wasn't old enough to really like enjoy it like an adult, like drinking and going out and partying, celebrating as much. But my best friend was there with me, Sean Payton's daughter, Megan, her and I are still best friends to this day. And we were best friends since diapers. So like to share that experience with her and we were up on the stage afterwards, like the kids were just running free because the parents were just celebrating. We couldn't find them at all. So we're just running free around this like after party. And there's like all of these celebrities there, the whole team. And we get up on stage when they're like kind of announcing like Super Bowl champions and we're like, they're spraying this huge champagne bottle. We're like 15, maybe 12. And we're just up there with all these like 300 pound men and this little girls and we're just like champagne bath, like so fun. We couldn't even drink, we were just getting sprayed with champagne. We didn't even know what it was. And last we had Josefina who is another uh, professional illustrator. And I, I think my biggest takeaway from our uh, interview with her is that she came and moved uprooted from a different country mm-hmm. and came and I think landed in Miami and really just grew herself from the ground up, which is a great lesson for everybody, especially like illustrators, non-illustrators, like anybody. If you are really passionate about something, that's proof that if you keep at it, you'll just fly. Mm-hmm. You will yeah, soar. Absolutely. So absolutely. work it. <laughs> so yeah, I went to fashion school in Argentina. Um, and even though I did uh, work for some fashion companies back there and everything for some years, I found out that I really enjoy illustrating and that's it. Like I don't really enjoy battling with production drama for like garments. I mean, I could, I could like design a collection if I wanted for something, but I don't really like sewing, dealing with prototypes and uh, dealing with all that. Like it's, it's a lot of drama and I, I just love creating art. Like I, I, found out like it's like a collateral thing like I like sketching that's what I like so yeah (laughs) and that works there you go yeah can you also tell us uh what brought you from Buenos Aires to Miami 
actually moving here was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like leaving my country. I had a really good life there. So leaving everything, leaving my super pretty apartment and leaving the amazing job I had, it was like the hardest thing for me ever. It was not an easy process to move here. It was uh, all over the place, it was stressful. And basically when I moved here, I was so stressed out and I was so terrified that I had quit my job and all that and I had left everything behind that I was not really sleeping. I would wake up at 2 a.m. and freak out. So I would just get up and catch and that's how like I ended up opening my Etsy shop a month after I moved. And with season one, I think that was the coolest thing was seeing all of these episodes and all of these different people come in and be guests on our show. And our conversations that we're having as three different individuals was that you're constantly celebrating your artistic and your athletic sides, no matter what your chosen passion is. If you're a ballerina, if you're a golfer, if you're an opera singer, if you're an illustrator, if you're anything, NFL players, you have these two sides that help you get to your where you want to be, which is drive and creativity and all of these things. And it's just remembering to celebrate them. Yeah, I, th- I honestly, I love the whole objective and the whole I don't know, idea of athletes and artists because it brings so many different people together with just the link of drive or ambition or just passion, liking things. Really, Anybody can be an athlete and artist if you just, you know, Mm -hmm. have passion. It's amazing. I agree. We're all walks of life going towards a common goal. Mm -hmm. We're all athletes and artists. Season two coming at ya soon <laughs> and as always if you want to follow us on social media you can find us at ny choreographer at cassandra lacy at embracing underscore the fire within and of course at athlete artist and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on spotify and apple music and last thing please subscribe to our youtube channel so we can own our url and bring you some more visual content in our season two